And Father, we continue in worship. Lord, it's so good to be here with you. And uh, knowing that you are the great I am gives us hope. Uh, Lord, it's certainly our hope is not in ourselves. I've failed enough times to know that's a bad place to put it. And I just thank you uh, for the security you give. I uh, thank you for your grace. I thank you that your mercies, Lord, are new every morning. I pray this morning as we uh, look at your word and engage with you and love one another, that you would help us to do that well. And Lord, we praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Well, welcome here. My name is Pastor Jeremy Lobdell. If you're just joining us for the first time, we're so glad you're here to worship with us. We're also super thankful if you're faithful. I know that it's easy to fall away and uh, discontinue, but for those of you who just keep hanging in there and hanging in there and hanging in there, hang on. Jesus is coming. Praise the Lord. Amen. Welcome here. We're delighted to worship with you. If you're joining us online, at home, in the airport, wherever you're at, welcome. Um, I have a question before we start, and this is probably for many of you sports trivia people out there. I'm not really a sports trivia person. I just uh, happen to be around some folks who like sports, and so they tell me stuff, and I listen in on occasion. And this occasion, one of the things that I learned is there are various lengths of seasons. Some are longer than others. If you're a football fan, you may feel like football season is short. If you're not a football fan, you might feel like football season is really long. But does anybody have any idea how many games are actually played in the regular season of the NFL? How many? 16. So maybe you gave me the total game count? Is that what I heard? How many are there? 256. So that would be like all the teams through those 16 weeks. Okay. I've learned something new. What about the NBA? Does anyone have any idea how many games are played in the regular season of the NBA? Close? Not quite? According to Google, what I saw this morning, now I could be wrong, this is just a quick, like this, but it said 72. That's what Google told me this morning. What about Major League Baseball? 162. We got our baseball fan over here. Way to go. Yeah, give him a high five or a knuckle bump. There we go. Good. There are various length seasons, and just by the numerical count, it looks to me like baseball is the longest. But what really brought this out to me recently was when the Kansas City Chiefs, into the playoffs, intentionally sort of lost or threw a game. I mean, they were trying their hardest, but they didn't really play their best players. They didn't play their all-star quarterback. They didn't play, who else, a receiver? And who else? They're missing three people, right? Three big names. I don't remember who all they were. There are big, important people that football know, people know. But for this game, their place was already secure. And as a result, they basically said, well, we're going to give our starters a break and give them a week off. We don't want to get hurt. doesn't matter. Whatever. No big deal. Our goal is the Super Bowl. We're going for the championship. We're trying to win the big one. It's not today really that matters, but the big picture, the end game, the ultimate goal is to win the big one, to win the championship. Now, how does that relate to us here 
at Midland Free? Here's the answer. For us as Christians, I'm not telling you to go out there and just be like, ah, today doesn't matter, whatever, I'll just do what I want. <laughs> I'm not saying that. But I am trying to reorient our perspective to help us understand the bigger picture is not necessarily these individual little battles that we get worn out on, hung up over, and beat up on every single day. But the big picture is the championship, eternity in heaven, on this earth, with Christ, in perfection, forevermore. That's what we're after. We're after eternity. We're after perfection. We're after sin-free bliss. We're after the good stuff. And yeah, there's a lot of opportunities through our life where there's an opportunity to sort of live out that kingdom here and live it out now and and do kingdom things now. And that's exciting. And we want to do that because we want to bring it here now. But even if we lose one, even if we miss one, what I want to say is it's okay. Because at the end of the day, we win. Because of Jesus' victory, we win too. And that's not just pie-in-the-sky fluff, but what that's going to do is it's going to motivate us and give us hope and strength to live here and now. And so what I want to do today is look at Colossians chapter 2, beginning in verse 6. And what we'll see is basically a Christian strategy for victory, or as the sermon title puts it today, how do we win? How to win. And there are basically two ways in which a Christian wins, and we'll find those in Colossians chapter 2, beginning in verse 6. And so if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn there with me. Uh, The words will also be up on the screen, and we're really going to dig into these today, so you want to pay attention, you want to follow along. I'm actually going to ask you some questions on this in just a minute, just to make sure we're all here. So Colossians chapter 2, beginning verse 6. It says this, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. And in him also you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by the putting off of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. More on that in the life group questions. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you who are dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Jesus. Amen? Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Here we are in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, and there are two things which will help you win or give you victory in the Christian life. What is the first? The first, actually, I think is found in verse 7. 
where it says, abounding in thanksgiving, abounding in thanksgiving. Now, earlier in verse 6, it said, so walk in him. The idea of walking means continuing your Christian life or moving forward uh, with, by grace through faith with Jesus. And so the descriptor of how we do that is by thanksgiving. So I want to start with the first way in which we win in the Christian life, and that is give thanks. Give thanks. This could actually be my November message for Thanksgiving or something like that. Give thanks. But it's not the message that says, let's give thanks for our family. Let's give thanks for our freedom. Let's give thanks for our food. Let's give thanks for all these good things we have that other poor people in the world don't. Boom, boom, boom. No. This is the one that says, let's give thanks for that which is truly most important and eternally significant and that anywhere, anyone anywhere can have. Let's give thanks for this. What are you talking about, Jeremy? Well, first, we're talking about the big picture, and second, I'm going to talk about the specifics. What are we to give thanks for? Number one, the big picture, and number two, the specifics, and then I'll show you exactly how that applies to your Christian life. So number one, what do we give thanks for? The big picture, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 3 through 5, if you want write that reference down. You can look it up later. It sounds just like this verse here in Colossians, but it's Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 3. It says, we, that's humanity in general, we were by nature children of wrath. We're headed for destruction. We have destroyed ourselves and we're on the way down like the rest of mankind. But God, but God, probably the two most important words in the entire Bible. But God. But God. Here is the theme of salvation and redemption of humanity. But God. But God. We bungle things but God. God jumps in to save. He changes the trajectory. He changes the story. Taste and see that the Lord is good. But God. But God what, Pastor Jeremy? Well, let's look at verse 13. This is very similar. If you have your Bibles, pay attention. Here it is up on the screen. And you who are dead in your trespasses and sin, just like that, you were by nature children of wrath, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, that's where you were headed for destruction. But God, there's no but here, but you see the contrast. But God, what? What does it say? God, what? Made us alive. Okay, so what I'm going to do here, I'm going to give you a little heads up. There are eight things in the next three verses, in 13, 14, and 15. They just sequentially follow each other. These are the things that we want to give thanks for. I'm going to let you tell me what they are in order. I'm going to write them down, and I want to make one point before we start. Notice that each of these are things that God does. God is the subject the Christianity of today that says that we are the center of the universe and it's all about our lives and making our lives better is wrong. That's gospel light. Gospel-centered means that it is all about God from start to finish. It is His creation. Yeah, we, we broke it, but He made it and He will fix it. So from start to finish, it's about Him and His glory. He is the subject of salvation. We are not the subjects of salvation. God is the focus for him and his glory. So what are the things that God does? God does all these things. 
All right, here we go. I'm writing down the subject. God, he does eight things. What is the first thing that God does in verse 13? He does what? Made us alive. All right, made alive. Get ready. We're going to number two. What is the second thing that God does in verse 13? Forgave us. Exactly right. God made us alive. He forgave us. And then in verse 14, what is the next thing that God did? Canceled our debt. What a good God. Don't you wish you had someone who would cancel your debt? He canceled our debt that stood against us. Then he did what with our debt after he canceled it? Whoops, skipped one. Set aside, exactly right. He set it aside. And now you're ready for that one you just said, which is he nailed it to the cross. He, I'll just put he nailed it. All right. Number six. Keep going. There's a lot of stuff to be thankful for. What did he do? He disarmed them. All right. The strong man has come. He's here. Disarmed them. And then what did he do after he disarmed them? He put them to shame. And the last and final thing he did, summon it all up, he triumphed. He won the... Oops, I spelled it wrong. Yep. He won the big one. I shouldn't talk and write at the same time. Mistake. All right. Here they are. God, the subject of the universe, the subject of our lives, the subject of Scripture, the subject of everything. This is what he did. Be thankful for this. Yeah, it's nice when we have a good day. It's nice when it doesn't rain. It's nice when the sun comes out. But here is something you can be thankful for wherever you're at, all the time, no matter what. This doesn't change. God made us alive when we were dead in our trespasses and sin, when we were headed for destruction, when we were by nature children of wrath. God made us alive. And he had to, in order to do that, forgive us for our sins, cancel our debt. And he didn't just cancel it like he destroyed it. He obliterated it and he threw it aside, having nailed it to the cross. And then when the devil roars his empty threats, right? We just sang that, nailed to the cross. Man, Jesus destroys it and the accusations are nailed and he disarms the enemy and puts him to shame for even trying, having triumphed over him, making his enemies a footstool for the victory that he accomplished. This is the specifics of what we can be thankful for. How do Christians win? By giving thanks. Okay, that's nice, Pastor Jeremy. Good point, good point. I don't, I don't hold that against you, but how does that help me in my everyday life? Here's how. Ready? Thankfulness is the antidote for sin. Thankfulness is the antidote for sin. Did you know that? It's really hard to say a bad word and at the same time be saying, thank you, Jesus. It's kind of hard to cuss and do those two things at the same time, isn't it? 
Maybe some of you have and tried it. I don't know. But here's the thing. When you are praising Jesus, it's really hard to do the wrong thing. When you are giving thanks, you're doing what's right. It's actually pretty simple. See, a lot of us think that holiness is really hard. And indeed, some parts are more difficult than others. But don't assume that holiness is all self-denial and self-discipline and drudgery. Holiness is thankfulness. And when you become thankful, you actually become more holy. It makes holiness easy. Here's what R.C. Lucas says. He says, a thankful person will have their heart and their eye in the right place and their eyes on the right person. They cannot be taken up with themselves without being immediately reminded of everything that they possess is a gift of God. There's a big difference between thank you Jesus and woe is me. When I get discouraged, when I get down, which one do you think it is? It's not thank you Jesus. It's woe is me. And I might be right about my woes. Like my, my, my woes may be real. They're valid. They're true. I'm not saying that bad things don't happen. They do. And they hurt. And we don't like it. And yuck. But cry out to God. And then say thank you for what we do have. That Jesus made us alive. Forgave us our debt. Canceled our debt. Set it aside. Nailed it to the cross. Disarmed the enemy. Put him to shame. And triumphed over him. And we are thanking God for that. We're not sinning. And we're holy. The way to win in the Christian life is to start by giving thanks. Not for what we do, but what God did. See, it starts with God. So many times we think it starts with us. Oh, I got to do this, I got to do that. No, no, just stop and thank God for what he did. And then you're actually doing what you should do. Starts with God. Number one, the way to victory is to give thanks. Give thanks for the big picture, the but gods, and for the specifics of our story as well. It's the antidote for sin. And number two, the other thing we do is just keep going. Just keep going. Struggle on. Don't quit. If Christ has promised us the championship in the end, if he has promised us the victory, then if we bail out in the middle of the season, there's no reward. But if we know we're going to win the Super Bowl, if we know we get heaven forever on this planet, on earth with Christ as our king, the only thing left to do is just keep going. Don't quit. I mean, yeah, it's true we're going to lose a few games along the way. Well, let's just be real here, right? I mean, we want perfection for ourselves, and we think we're going to get this ultimate high holiness plateau. But the reality is, we're going to keep sinning until Jesus calls us home. And hopefully we sin less, and hopefully we confess more. But we know, even when we're 99 years old, we'll still probably find a way to sin. That's just the way it is. We're going to lose a few. It may not be a perfect day. It may not be a perfect week. It's not going to be a perfect season. But if the end is guaranteed, then keep going. Don't quit. 
Just keep going. Hang in there. Yes, we're going to lose a few along the way. But it's okay. The next thing we do is to struggle or continue, struggle on, continue on. Here's Colossians 2.6 in the New Living Translation. And uh, I want to show it to you in the New Living. The ESV is a phenomenal translation. The ESV is a little more literal or wooden. And this one's a little bit more dynamic. So if we have that slide of Colossians 2.6, I think we have it. Maybe we do. Maybe we don't. We do. Excellent. Um, it says, now as you accepted Christ, ESV says received, as your Lord, you must, and the ESV says, walk in him. But what the New Living Translation does is it, it flushes it out a little bit more and it says, continue to follow him. That's because in the original language, walk is in a tense, which means it's an ongoing, continual aspect. And so the New Living Translators, they know that and they go, oh, let's bring this out for the English reader and let's add the word continue. The word continue is not in the Greek. That's an addition. But it's, I think, a good addition because it brings out for us the idea that this is a lifelong process of continuing over and over and over again to follow God, to follow Him in faith. This is exactly what Abraham did in the Old Testament. Why is Abraham so cool? He is so cool in so many ways, but one of the big ways is because he's just a regular Joe like you and I who had to follow God. And sometimes we think, oh, if we heard the voice of God like Abraham, that would be no big deal. I would follow him for sure. But Abraham didn't have a clue. He didn't have a clue, and the text even brings that out. God says, get up and go to the land, I'll show you. He's like, hold on, God, let me plug in the GPS coordinates, right? You gave me longitude and latitude or where's the McDonald's stops along the way. I don't know. Nothing. This is what Hebrews eleven eight says. It says, by faith. Wait, 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 wait. Therefore, as you received Jesus Christ, so walk in him. How did we receive Jesus? By faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive, he was given this inheritance, and he went out, not knowing where he's going. Abram, I'm surely going to bless you, and I'm going to multiply you, I'm going to give you land. Okay, tell me where. Well, you'll find out. Just follow me. What do I do with that? Follow. Follow. Even when you don't know, faithfully, consistently, day after day, step after step, you don't know the next turn, that's okay. Abram didn't either. Follow. Follow, follow, follow. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, a foreign land. He had no idea where this place was. Living in tents, he didn't even get to settle down with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise, for he was looking forward to a city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. What are we looking forward to? city with foundations whose designer and builder is God. He followed in faith. Dude, we have a promise too, just like Abraham. It's not that we're going to have a million children in a specific portion of the planet, but it is that we will have an eternal home here on earth with Jesus Christ our Lord, and we will be perfect. Now that's a big promise, right? That's hard to believe. I look at myself and say, whoa, got a long way to go. That takes faith to believe that I'm going to be perfect. That takes faith 
to believe that we're going to be perfect. That takes faith to mean that at the end of the day, we win the championship despite all the losses along the way. But we follow in faith, believing that God is preparing for us a place. Isn't that what Jesus said? Behold, I go to prepare a place for you. That where I am, you can be too. So follow. Keep going. Believe. Yeah, we can't see it. Neither did Abraham. That's why we continue to walk just as we received him. Not by faith, not by sight, but by faith. Christians, we believe that God will complete his promise even though we don't fully possess it yet. We are not sin-free. We are not perfect. We will struggle. And so, keep going. Struggle on. Don't quit. Continue, 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 continue to follow him no matter what. So how do we win? Two ways. Number one, we give thanks. We give thanks. Not for us, but for what God did. All of this good stuff. And number two, we keep going. We struggle on, believing, even though we don't have it yet, that someday we will. Keep going. Don't quit. Give thanks. Struggle on. That's the message of Colossians chapter 2 for the people there and for the people here. Look, life is long. It's hard. It's going to be a number of losses along the way. But in the end, there's a guarantee. And it's not 162 games, 72 games, or even 16. But from now until the end, whatever that is for you and for me, the guarantee is that we win. How do we win? Give thanks and struggle on. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for your son, Jesus, who guarantees our victory and eternal life. Thank you for these perfect things that you did. Lord, you are the subject of our story. Please help us, God, to find our place in that, to be fulfilled, be happy, and be thankful in you. We praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.